Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Welcome to Long Distance Listening. I am Andrew. And I am Natan. <laughs> What's up, Nate? How you doing? Hey, good. Good. Good talking to you again. Um, I, I felt like... you. Well, real quick, I said my name wrong. I felt like I could say it incorrectly because, you know, I'm not under oath right now. Ah. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. See, like there's so many reasons I do a podcast with you, but it's the dad jokes. It's the dad it's jokes. the dad jokes that, that, that work for me. Um, real quick recap from the last episode. Um, we're changing up the podcast a little bit. We're trying to get a little bit more consistent with everything um trying to have some shorter form podcasts instead of the long form and so we're going to be talking about under oath's new album voyeurist you probably saw that if you clicked on this um but we're just going to be pretty informal about this we're not going to be going quite track by track through it um we can talk about specific tracks if we would like to but but for the most part we're just going to talk about this album anything that stands out anything that feels like it pertains to the creation of this album the um, listening experience of this album anything that that pertains to this album we love under oath we want to talk about this album so that's kind of what we're doing it'll feel a little bit less formal um for longtime listeners, but hopefully, if this is your first podcast that you're listening to of ours, uh, you enjoy it and you are willing to subscribe or stick around for more. Um, this is our second metal album we're doing in the podcast, if I'm pretty sure. Uh, first would have been Silent Planet's latest album. Um, so, metal's not something that we actually talk a ton about. Um, we tend to talk about a lot of underrated artists. And so, uh, Under Oath, not so much. They're not very underrated. I mean, I'm sure someone could make the, the argument disrespect. that they are now. But, like, Under Oath's kind of the OGs. So, um most of the artists that are rated right now, if you will, uh, probably view Under Oath or viewed Under Oath at some point as influencers um, for for the style and everything. Um, one of the things I'll mention to kind of get us into this, um, anyone who's listening to this probably knows this, but Under Oath broke up for a little bit. Aaron had left the band. They actually released an <gasps> album without Aaron, uh, the drummer, Aaron Gillespie, the drummer slash clean vocalist uh historically although spencer also does plenty of clean vocals especially now um they broke up for years and when they came back they had a full reunion tour where they played straight through two of their albums and nate's from boston i'm from philly and they were playing in philly and nate was kind of in the area and he's like i'm coming with you so we both went to their uh their kind of reunion tour it was awesome it was a great show um they came back they released an album a few years ago called erase me um that album kind of i would say for most fans and people in general uh was a bit of a miss i think people were happy under oath was back but they didn't feel like that was the under oath that they maybe wanted back nate and i had plenty of conversations about maybe them trying to figure out their sound a little bit for erase me and that this new album would be more of a like, okay, this is now the new Under Oath sound. This is like 
them really define like they're not as hard as they used to be maybe spencer's not going to scream much anymore but they're gonna kind of feel out this new under oath and then some singles were released and i think we both were like okay this is a little bit closer to older under oath um with definitely um feeling new so they've gone through quite the change as a band since Spencer joined up till now, they sound completely different. Um, but I would like to say that we're probably optimistic fans. We're people who want Under Oath to be good. We're never going to, at least for me, I'm never going to call Under Oath uh, dead or anything, even if they make an album like Erase Me that I think is good, not great. Um, I'm always going to want more Under Oath. And, uh, and they released Forest uh, in January. It got pushed back a little bit. Um, I think it was supposed to come out last year, but um, got pushed back. Came out beginning of this year. So, Nate, talk me through. What are your thoughts with this album? Um, is this a good album? Uh, yeah. What are your general ideas with Forest? Yeah. So let's. Uh, I want to go back to some of the stuff you said originally. Yeah. Uh, so with Erase Me. So first off, I've been watching and keeping up with their making of Vorist episodes that mm-hmm. they've been releasing. Uh, they have one per song, and they also have one at the very beginning before they go through each track. And they're all like an hour long on their YouTube, <laughs> and it's incredible. Artists are rarely that generous, I feel like, in terms of sh- taking you behind the scenes. And... Yeah. Under Oath is really leaving it all out there. And because they have so many episodes, they're really able to touch on a ton of different things. And one of the things they do talk a lot about, at least so far, not a lot, a decent amount about, is Mm -hmm. Erase Me. Yeah. And how this new record is different. I really like Erase Me. I think it's really solid. I just don't think it's an Under Oath record. Yeah. Now, I know that's like... Might be blasphemy for some people because, like, obviously it's released by Under Oath and stuff. But I don't think it's really reflective of who they have been or who they are now at Voyeurist. And obviously bands always, like, change and stuff and no record is a reflection of just who they have been and who they are now. But they described – this was really helpful information from the episodes – they described how Spencer and Aaron after or during the reunion tour slash after the reunion tour when things were up in the air with, oh, will Under Oath actually come back or not? Mm-hmm. They started writing again. Yeah. They are like huge with songwriting together, like them yes. writing together. It's very important. And it's yeah. not the same as them doing their own separate stuff, though their own separate stuff is great. Yeah. They talk about how it's special when they write together. And so... They wrote a lot of those first few Under Oath tracks that defined the direction for Erase Me yeah. as tracks that weren't originally Under Oath tracks. Yeah. They just wrote songs together. And because they're very much into pop and very much into lots of other styles, the Under Oath record doesn't sound as much Under Oath because the songs weren't originally written for Under Oath. Mm-hmm. And so they still made them Under Oath-y. Or, I know I'm yeah. I'm being very cringy with just using Under Oath as an adjective, but <laughs> they, they lacked a lot of the signature 
feels and styles and emotions that a lot of Under Oath has had in the past. Um, and so, again, I really like that record. I think it gets too much shit, but yeah. I also don't think it's what the band fully wanted to make. It just kind of happened, and they went with it. Yep. Voyeurist is truly, I feel like it's their first real record back. Yep. It's their first, like, where they're all on the same page for the most part. They're all in sync, all in unison, all working together. And, yeah, obviously there's, like, a normal amount of conflict. But conflict is often what breeds in incredible music. That's why mm-hmm. bands are so cool. It's not just that one person. It's yeah. everybody feeding together. And then yeah. this is self-produced as well. So they're not working with the producer. It's all them. It's yep. uh, There's... Producers hugely impact music and the yep. creation of records. I think of um, sometimes you know a record sound by the producer yeah. just as much as a band. Like yep. I've heard certain records where it's like, yeah, that sounds like that artist, but that sounds like that producer. Yes. And so for Under Oath to produce their own stuff, it's going to sound as Again, I'm sorry, as under oath as possible. Yeah. Because it's fully them. And so I thought that's wicked sick. I think the record as a whole, it is arguably under oath's most experimental record. Mm -hmm. It's arguably their darkest record at times. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of extremes. And I mean, there's so many different facets that this conversation can go. And I'm interested to see where it will go. But just some like big picture stuff, Andrew, before we dive deep into it. I think the record, the actual, we talked about production, the actual recording and production and mixing of this record is so interesting to me. Yeah. Because the, the instruments are at the forefront. In my opinion, the instruments are at the forefront and the vocals, specifically the clean vocals, are in the background. They are a part of the instrumental. They're a part of the music. But it's less like Pass Under Earth Records where you would kind of, for Aaron's cleans, it would kind of like open up and like the main focus would be like, bam, Aaron's here. Like he's like showing up here he's kind of muted you can't quite know what he's saying like the production and recording on this is crazy yeah yeah i'll I'll piggyback off that i i was listening to this album today and i was singing along with some of the vocal parts and what's weird is i realize as well as i know this album there's a few parts that i kind of just have to bail because the vocals go really muted, and it's really hard to tell both yeah. lyrically what he's saying, but then also even the melody. It gets very buried at times. There's definitely punches um, on mm. this album where all of a sudden, I would say specifically with some of Spencer's screams, um, uh, I, I think of the line, this is effing hell, um, yeah. in uh, track two or right yeah hallelujah yeah hallelujah um that's like probably i mean it's just the biggest vocal um there and yeah there's quite a few other moments that the vocals are forefront but i would say i very much agree they're the most layered which i think i had texted you um 
it's my favorite vocal album from Under Oath. Yeah. Um, because of all the layering, there are so many times... Spencer and Aaron actually have fairly different vocals, even though the vocal range might be similar. They have very different tonally. I would say they're fairly different. Yeah, um, definitely. But this album, it's quite a few times that like it took me a few listens to figure out who's singing a specific part because yeah. maybe it's where the vocals are buried or it's how much they're passing off vocal parts. Yeah. Which I'll just kind of throw out from from beginning of kind of this making of voyeurist, um, some of the conflict that Under Oath went through, I think, with Erase Me especially, is Aaron Gillespie didn't really know, because he had left the band, they did an album without him. Him coming back, he was a little bit tentative, I think, to assert himself too fully. So he kind of played yeah. the background a little bit more, which is not really his style. And he probably didn't bring enough conflict. During that time, mm. Spencer also seem, seemed to think that it wasn't cool to scream, which a lot of bands that we have really liked at some point go through this where they go, yeah, we're a rock band, but we want to like be more chill. And I got to say, yeah. there's nothing that sounds worse to me than a rock band that's trying to not be a rock band. And so that includes a metal what about band like trying to be a rock the, band. What about the sound of um, people being killed in the streets? <laughs> Does that sound better you than know, a rock I have, band? I'm trying to be I have a rock no band. response to that. Um, what no, about a no, mother mourning the loss of their daughter? <laughs> so musically, there's oh, okay. nothing, nothing worse. I just feel like it's kind of... I'm like, if you're going to be a metal band, be a metal band. Don't yeah. try to be a rock band. There's other rock bands out there doing it better. And this is coming from someone... I really like Spencer's stuff uh, with Sleepwave, which was kind of the band he did in between that was just rock. He wasn't really screaming. Um, he's such a good, clean vocalist that I'm fine with that. But for Under Oath, that album felt like he was just refusing... Like, erase me. It felt like he did not want to scream because... He wanted to sing, and they kind of talk about this. He felt like he wanted to sing. He basically was taking parts that would normally be Aaron's parts, and Aaron was kind of letting him. And then there was this huge explosion when they were trying to write voyeurist of just emotions, and Aaron, like, you just want to sing my parts. And Spencer basically, like, I'm the vocalist. I should be doing this, and, and just a lot of conflict. But... You can feel, at least in my opinion, they worked through it. They were able to be like, Spencer, literally no one can be you. Everyone's trying to be Spencer at some point um, if you're a metal band. And no one can get a crowd going and have those. His screams are are all time. I mean, they're yeah. so good. And match with his cleans. I mean, he's, he's one of one, really. Yeah. And so I feel like this album... They finally were able to break through exactly what they needed to from conflict standpoint of who's going to sing. And just like instead of like any selfishness or something, it's who fits this part best. We yeah. have this part and almost other people in the band delegating out vocal parts. So there's no like I just want to sing this because I'm Aaron Gillespie and I do clean vocals and drums or 
I'm Spencer, but I don't want to scream, so I'm going to sing this clean part. It's like, whose voice sounds better with this part? And so the vocal parts on this album, I can't say enough about them. They're phenomenal. They really are. Building off two things you said there, you talked about... um, First, I'll mention the rock thing. What's interesting for um, for Undero in particular, they really helped pioneer post-hardcore. I mean, they're not the only pioneer. They're one of many, mm-hmm. or maybe not many. They're one of a few. Yeah. But for a band to kind of drastically change the direction of a genre to then all of a sudden, like stop being a trailblazer and stop pushing the envelope and do something that's kind of been done before. Yep. Not that that's bad. It's just, it's not as needed. And for me, at least I would rather. So for instance, when damned excuses came out, the first single, I was like, I don't know what I think about this song in terms of its quality. Like, I don't know if I think it's an incredible heavy song or not. I don't know if I think it's an in- well-structured or whatever. What I did know is it made me think. It wasn't straightforward. It was outside of the box. It punched me in the face. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I don't yep. I don't need to like fully make sense of a song. Yep. Especially a first single on a record to fall to want to walk down the path of the second single, third single and then the record. Yep. I want to be mystified. I want my curiosity to be um provoked. I yep. want and damned excuses did that. And then mm-hmm. hallelujah building to my second building off of what you said. That's a great example of being like, all right, now who's singing now? Wait, wait, who's singing now? Now who's singing? It's like they just keep going back and forth. Yep. And the beauty of Under Oath is that it's one band. Yes. Like, I love The Almost. I love Sleepwave. That's the name of the band, right? Maybe, <laughs> Maybe not love. I don't like. love them. I like Sleepwave. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like Sleepwave. I I and I'll, honestly, I don't love the almost. I I like the almost. I love Under Oath. But the thing is, is that Sleepwave is Sleepwave. The almost is the almost. Under Oath, Under Oath. It's not two separate things. Under Oath is not a combination of the almost and Sleepwave. Under Oath is Under Oath, and so Under Oath is both Aaron and Spencer yep. vocally. Yep. And so they're at their best when they're working in unison and yep. they're both sharing sharing the mic, sometimes at the same time. Yeah. Going into like specific so- – to talk about that experimentation and yeah. like uh, instrumentation specifically, Yeah. Um, some songs that really blew my mind first time, uh, just one to start another single with Cycle – I was yeah. like, what the hell is going on yeah. here? I couldn't keep track of the song structure at first. I didn't know what was going on. The ghost main part was nuts. Yeah. The, I just, and the production, which we talked about earlier, really stood out to me on this song, how buried yeah. some stuff was. Yeah. Um, 
Did you notice anything on this record in terms of like strong song structure and experimentation that just yeah. like really intrigued you or stood out to you? Yep. Uh, track three. I'm pretty sure I'm out of luck and have no friends is the song. Title. Yeah. Um, which is and kind of a great play <laughs> off of their only chasing safety. Um, uh, which which track is that? I've got ten friends in a crowbar that says you ain't gonna do Jack. I think is the rest of it. It's such a long title, but that like I've got ten friends, and it's like I'm pretty sure I'm out of luck and have no friends. I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but that track, um, and I would say multiple times through the album, Chris, their keyboard slash synth production. I don't know. I mean that guy freaking writes movie soundtracks. He's insane. Yeah. Um, but he has like front and center on a few of these, and that's such a weird song structure because it's a long song. It's like second, third longest on the album or something. Um, nah, maybe not. There's a few more, but like it's a long song for half of it being like a weird instrumental and them only really coming in at the end. And also yeah. for it to be track three after two of the singles that you know and followed by another single, um, it's kind of squashed in there like, oh, this is the one song I don't know in this first four. And then all of a sudden it's this really weird one. I felt like, I mean, you nailed it. It's very experimental. Uh, they do that in track three. Track six is very similar. And then quite a few parts through the rest of the album. But I would say especially Pneumonia... Um, for how long it is, has some of those moments as well. Um, it's a very theatrical album, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, anything else stand out? I have a few other thoughts, but like we're kind of talking about musically. Anything stand out? Do you really like this album musically? Would you say it's musically better um, or worse or about on par with some of their past records? Um, you can compare it to Erase Me. You could go back yeah. further. So... Yeah, building off what you said real quick, and then I'll answer your question yeah. with um, the score and uh, Chris's parts. I think, to be honest, now I know Chris has always been really involved in, in the band and the songwriting process and everything, but I felt like his parts stood out to me the most actually on Erase Me with mm -hmm. specific songs where he yeah. was kind of given a lot more of a stage because yes. the record was less guitar driven. I think yep. personally he was able to stand out more. And I think yep. for myself, I notice his parts more now potentially yes. because of that. Yes. Um, and so going back to like specific tracks on this record and instrumental slash vocals and stuff, I think one thing that I was intrigued about after damn excuses and or damn excuses and after uh like cycle and stuff is okay and hallelujah too because hallelujah is catchy but is aaron gonna have any like really catchy parts and then numb came out and i was like okay we're good yeah, <laughs> i was like we're yeah, fine sure. um and the choruses on this record i mean a lot of them are wicked catchy. Thorn, take a breath, we're all gonna die. Um, there's a lot of catchy, really catchy choruses on this record. So it's not just going back to the Fleet Foxes thing we talked about with the Grammys. If you haven't listened to that episode, you can go back. 
Um, though for me, it's nowhere near as exciting as what we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. Th- they're able to find this balance between experimentation and catchiness that's like really nice, very nice yes. on this record. Yes. In terms of past stuff, I think this is up to par with what yeah. Underos done in the past. I yeah. don't think it surpasses what they've done, yeah. but that's not a a diss by any uh, stretch of the imagination. It is yep. up to par. You could hold, compare this record in my mind to any of their past records and say it's either almost just as good or it's just as good mm-hmm. as any record. Um, and so, yeah, I think I'm really digging instru- instrumentally um, what's happening with the drums because Aaron does some absolutely freaking crazy patterns and um I just like because Aaron is like the biggest drummer I know in terms of like personalities in a band I'm not saying he's a big personality but in terms of like for instance like one of my favorite bands I'm trying to think of like any bands like um we just talked about Japanese house recently. Like I love Japanese house. I don't know who does the drums like the drum and maybe it's Michelle, but like the drummer, I usually, I usually don't know a lot about the drummer. I know so much about Aaron and he's such a vital part of the band. So I pay more attention to the drums. I think because of that, he just like fascinates me, dude. Like how he's able to play with so much aggression and passion and, Movement. I know movement's such a vague word, but he doesn't let things just stay consistent. He's always yes. mixing it up. He's yes. never complacent. He never just finds somewhere and sits there for a long time. Yep. And um, yeah, you're somebody who knows a lot more about the intricacies of the drums or of like guitar parts and other stuff. Yeah. Is there any like specificities there that really stand out to you? Um, yeah, Aaron is incredible i would say aaron is and they reference this aaron's the most talented on his instrument in the band but that's also because aaron can play with literally anyone in any band like yeah he's kind of a superbly talented guy in a band that like tim their guitarist who's one of my favorites um is like i have no clue what the hell i'm playing like he's a feel guy (laughs) and so like um I'll talk about guitars real quick since you touched on drums. Um, guitars on this album are so cool, but very different. So I would say Tim is a feel guitarist. He's not, um, I wouldn't say he's a riff guy. He's not technically, um, I mean, he's so technically sound for what he does. But like he he plays by feel. What does the song need? I'll figure something out for that. Um some of the things, like, if you're not sure what I'm getting at, is, like, listen to songs like Take a Breath um, or um, or I'm Pretty Sure I'm Out of Luck and Have No Friends. Um, some of those tracks, the guitars are, like, he's not doing much with movement. It's, like, big hits at certain mm. times. It's actually very... There's not much movement, but the movement that's there is so perfect. Um, 
So this is probably his most simplistic album from like a riff standpoint, but I would actually say it's the most locked in album for Tim um, from a guitar standpoint, like because he's accentuating everything else. Like it feels so good. Um, there's just a pocket to his playing. Um, I know there's, I mean, there's another guitarist. There's, um, there's James, who's a rhythm guitarist. And Grant, the bassist, um, neither one of them really, I mean, basically because of the band, they tell them, like, yeah, sorry, you're not going to help with, with the writing process. So they're, they're like, very much recording and touring guys. But when I'm talking guitars and writing, I'm really talking about Tim. Um, other things musically, I would just say this, uh, the last two albums have been Chris's albums. I think that's the new style of Under Oath is like letting Chris get weird um, with it. This album, he goes weirder than Erase Me, but I yeah. agree that Erase Me is the first album you really start to notice like, oh, there is like a sixth guy in the band that not every metal band has, and that's their, uh, yeah. that's Chris, their keyboard synth programming guy. Um, but I think the music's awesome. I'll quick say my favorite song on this album is Take a Breath. I think that's... Yeah. That's my favorite. I love Thorn as well. That one's like yeah. keeps sneaking up on me as like, man, I forget how good this song is. Um it's it's a really, really solid album musically. Take a breath does a few things. Um just with the timing and the rhythm that's really mm. different for them. They're hitting on a lot of offbeat stuff. Um and first time I heard it, I was like I I think my mouth was just open most of the time. It was so <laughs> different um, and so cool. And so I would love to see them do a little bit more of that weird experimental stuff with rhythm because Aaron's always doing kind of his thing and then the band's doing their thing, but they're so locked in on this album and specifically that song that I want to hear more like that. So, um, Nate, what's like your favorite song? Is there anything... You wish they did on this? Anything you want Under Oath to do in the future? I think uh, one thing I want to touch on with favorite song that I think there's always like these outside things that are really unique and interesting for specific records, like small details. Like um, I'm trying to think of examples, but I can't. So I'm just going to share it with Under Oath Mm -hmm. for this record. There was five singles released, I believe. Yeah. There was five, which is half of the entire record. This is a 10-song record. Damn Excuses, Hallelujah, Cycle, Numb, and Pneumonia were all released as singles. So I think that's like a really interesting detail to the record. And if you listened a lot to the singles, it probably dramatically impacts how you heard the record. My favorite song is connected to this. It's actually pneumonia, and it's the one single I didn't listen to before the record because I saw the length, and then I looked up the track listing and saw it was the last track, and I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to listen to this song before the album. Whereas Andrew did not know the length of the track, I don't think, and he just knew there was an under a single, and he listened, and then it was like... He found out at the end it was the closer, and yeah, yeah how was that experience? It, I was for you so disappointed. Yeah. I was very not disappointed. in the song. 
No, no. Both, <laughs> both of us probably care more than most about like opening and closing tracks and just journey of the album. Yeah. And so to realize, because I was like, oh, this is a long song, which you don't realize at first because it's kind of two songs. Like it, it really takes you on a journey. But at a certain point, you're like, this song has been going for a while. How long is this one? Seven minutes. Wow, that's crazy. And then you're like, but they wouldn't release their closer as a single. Like, no one does that. And yeah. And they did. And I was like, <laughs> dang it. I just, so I only listened to it the once. Um, yeah, but I which did. is good. It was, it was spoiled um, for me. It probably means that I don't have the same um, view of it as you do. Yeah. In the sense of like, I was like, this is great. I think I was slightly frustrated that they even released it as a single. But it's such a good track. Yeah. And I think continuing to talk about future music, I think it's the type of track that shows you when we... And this is actually a really great bow tie as we close. Yeah. Under Oath doesn't have to release the same record they released in the past. And in fact, this record is very different than all the past Under Oath records. Mm -hmm. But there's something that's hard to explain that's unique about Under Oath. And... Pneumonia is a great example of a very under oath song that does not sound like anything they've ever done before. <laughs> yeah. And so whatever their future music is, I hope I can recognize it as having the heart and soul of under oath without being able to recognize it as something I've heard before. And so that's kind of what I hope for their direction. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. All right. Incredible There's so much record. we could talk. I know so we could go on for much longer. Talked about lyrics or, or we forgot to talk about Digital Ghost. Watch Digital Indeed. Ghost. That yeah. version of the record. Those videos are incredible. Yeah. Watch the um, documentary on each individual track. They're they're really spoon feeding us all incredible content. So yeah. please dive deeper into what they're putting out with this record because it goes above and beyond what artists usually do. Yeah, yeah. literally part of the podcast for us has been interviewing artists and like going song by song through um, their album, whatever artists we're talking and just asking them a quick question about each song. And we usually get a five minute conversation about each song, um, which we viewed as like, this is amazing. No one ever does this under oaths, literally giving everyone an hour long conversation <laughs> about each song. It's literally, I'm not saying they're, they're copying what we started here and they're like, Oh, we can do it better, but they are doing it better. At <laughs> least they are doing it way better. At the very least they're doing it longer, but also better. Yeah. Um, and so take advantage of that. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I never get tired of behind-the-scenes type content. Like, if a movie finishes, it's pretty often my wife and I are going to look at behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, but you don't get that in music very often. And so a band being as open and honest, and that's one of the big takeaways. They're very honest with everything. It's not this, like, oh, this album's awesome. We did this. We did that. It's very much like, yeah, we were cussing each other out because, like, <laughs> this one part wasn't working. Like, it's like they're, like, extremely honest about yeah. band dynamics and everything. It's cool. If if you like Under Oath, you really should check all that out. So. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation. Again, there's so much more we could talk about. We would love to continue the conversation with you guys. So reach out to us on our socials at LDL pod for Twitter or Instagram. 
You can also email us at longdistancelistening at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts on the album. Give us um, maybe some some stuff we touched on that, that you really want to talk about. Uh, we really love this type of conversation, something that really that's why we started the the podcast nate and i have these conversations and we want to involve more people in these types of conversations so thank you guys for listening we really appreciate it feel free to subscribe to the podcast um can't promise it's all going to be metal it probably won't be but um but hopefully there's other podcasts in the future that you'll really enjoy um reach out to us let us know what albums or things we should uh we should talk about but uh yeah that's about it Thank you guys so much. Have a great rest of your day. Your mom's a voyeurist.